You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Before we jump into this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast, as I customarily do, I want to highlight one of the products that I take from Natural Stacks that I love from Natural Stacks. And today it's the Myco Boost. The Myco Boost has the Cordyceps Mushroom in it. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that the Cordyceps Mushroom helps with stem cell creation. And it is a um, an energetic boost. That coupled with Yerba Mate, which is a uh, an Amazonian leaf. It's a tea that I've been drinking for years. It combines these two. So this is a product that I take like as a pre-workout supplement. It's a product that I'll take... If I know that I've got a lot of movement to do, if it's going to be a busy day before jujitsu, I take it. I absolutely love it. And because you know already that it's grow- that it's an actual mushroom supplement, not just a mycelium supplement, it's a little bit different. It's a higher quality. So it's, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And regarding supplements from Natural Stacks that you and I both love, we're doing a BOGO offer on the brain food line. And this is a slamming deal. If, if you haven't taken advantage of this, please go do it. Uh, it's a buy one, get one on the Brain Food line. And as you know already, the Brain Food line is the acetylcholine brain food, the dopamine brain food, serotonin brain food, and the GABA brain food. And these four brain food lines uh, help achieve different things. So dopamine is for a mental drive, serotonin is for a positive mood, acetylcholine is for mental clarity, and GABA is for calm and relaxation. And if you want a two for one, if you want to buy one, get one, this is a pretty sweet deal. All you've got to do is remember the code BOGO, go to naturalstacks.com and pick out um, your favorite brain food line and uh, buy one, get one. Today's episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast, we are joined by Jack McInespy. And Jack is a pretty interesting guy. He has started a Facebook group that went from zero to 100,000 members in six months and it's still growing. It's now up to 125,000 members and it's called Common Sense Keto and Common Sense Keto sort of demystifies ketogenic eating, goes over recipes, talks about um, his take on fasting and he's curated this online community on Facebook that is really responsive, really involved and it's helped a lot of people in their life. Jack's genesis story toward the keto dietary approach uh, is a pretty cool story too where he lost a ton of weight and he's kept it off and uh, he's happy and smart and uh, it's a pretty cool podcast. So without further ado, we'll jump in with Jack McInespy from Common Sense Keto. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're joined by Jack McInespy. He's an avid self-experimenter. Trust me, I read the blog. A chronic podcast binger, a blogger, and a certified CrossFit coach. Jack is also a ketogenic nutrition coach and the creator of Common Sense Keto Facebook group, which has grown to over 125 
thousand members in a very short period of time. His main focus is teaching people that chronic calorie restriction is not only unhealthy, but also unnecessary and helping those that can no longer lose weight on their own, get past their stalls and have better hormone regulation, which is uh, important, I think, for all of us. Jack, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So like I do with every episode, I start by asking our guest what they have in their body today. So what's what's in that body of yours, Jack? Uh, it's a great day to ask me because it's absolutely 100% not keto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing an experiment as I, as I always do, and it happens to be a raw vegan fruitarian diet. So I have in me right now uh, four dates, a peach, a banana, a can of organic black beans, and uh, I think that's it. How about uh, how about coffee or any supplements or vitamins? Uh, nothing since this morning. During this, I'm only taking uh, just a B, a B complex because you know there's no bees in uh, in vegetarian food. So yeah, that's really all I'm taking right now. And, and, uh, I had one cup of coffee this morning, so it was like about 10 hours ago. Okay. So this is going to be an interesting one. You know, this is, um, you know, Jack is a unique Jack. I'm talking to the, the listeners, but you're, you're a unique guy. And I'm really glad that we connected because I started combing through your blog and we're going to get to your experiment right now. But I'm really curious to hear your Genesis story. How was it that you decided that you were going to be strict keto and what was your results? Like where did this, where did this come from? Uh, well, it's, it started really early on. Like I was, uh, I was always a skinny kid. And when I, I'd had a, my parents are, are separated. They'd been since I was four or five and I was always a skinny kid until I moved with my father in about the fifth grade and he's a truck driver and just ate garbage nonstop. So I gained like 90 pounds in nine months and uh, I was overweight ever since then. And 2005 ish, it just got really out of control. You know, I got, I got with my wife and I got comfy and not really caring so much. And before I realized it, I was 300 pounds. So, um, I actually had gone to the doctor and looked up getting gastric bypass. And uh, before I did that, I saw an Atkins documentary. And it just intrigued me. So I went and bought the book and I read it cover to cover in a couple of days. And I started doing the induction phase, which is keto essentially. I mean, they don't really talk about it, but it's 20 grams of carbs or, or less and protein and fats. So I, I did that and I was just doing so well on it. Atkins says to add carbs back in. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I add carbs back in when I'm just killing it? And because I was dropping like 10 pounds a week, 14 pounds a week. And within like six months, I lost like 125 pounds. Wow. Yeah. So it was just, and then I just stayed that way. So I never went up in carbs. I've always been, you know, it's been 13, 14 years. I've been 20 grams or less. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started, I didn't do any working out either. I didn't even go to the gym. Like I barely set foot in a gym up until that point. And even during the weight loss, I didn't. I started walking and running after I lost the weight. And then I started doing CrossFit shortly after that. Wow. Did you, uh, you know, did you experience the, you know, from rapid weight loss, did your, did your, did you have some of the, the skin issues that come along with that sort of rapid loss? 
Yeah, I still do. I still have a, a fair amount around my midsection. Uh, would, I'm actually going the end of this month and getting skin surgery. Yeah, got yeah, what you got to so do. I've been waiting for that for for ten years. So. Wow, man. I mean, it's it's funny because you know, as as we've been talking and corresponding leading up to this, um, we we change when we're forced to. When it's like we've just we're fed up and we got to try something new. And you found something that really worked, that really worked for your body, and you stuck with it. And now you said twenty grams or less a day for fifteen years. Uh, Thirteen, almost fourteen years. Yeah. That's a long time. I mean, I did breaks and I did other things. Like I've always been into experimenting even before I understood any of it. I was always trying like if something came out, for example, I was I, I got into CrossFit and they were big into paleo. So I tried paleo and, you know, that didn't work for me. It was too high in carbs. The, it, there was no focus on it. And I knew what worked for me. So I'd always go back. And then I went through a period of um, – trying the zone. I tried Mark Sisson's program. You know, I tried everything on the planet, eat to perform. You know, they were big into CrossFit guys and they're like, you'll get better by doing this. And I just never saw the benefit of it. It just never helped me in any way, shape or form. So I always knew what would. So I just constantly went back to it. So let's, let's, uh, and as I, as I do in this podcast, we're going to jump around quite a bit. Um, yeah. T- tell us about uh, your blog is so detailed and so fascinating. Um, tell us about your experiment, your experiment in uh, in uh, fruitarianism or a modified fruitarianism, as I suppose it is. Yeah, well, so I, I listened to so many podcasts, and I happened across this one where I was talking about a, a fruitarian who he was an ultra runner, and he he claimed to eat. Uh, actually, he was on with Sanjay Gupta, I think. And he said that he was eating 25, or they said he was eating 25 pounds of vegetation a day. And I'm like, that's crazy. This guy must be just, you know, in the bathroom all day long. Like, that's what a horse would eat is like 25, 25, 25 pounds of food. And the horses are 1,100 pounds, right? So this 125-pound guy says he's eating 25 pounds of fruit. So I'm like, this is intriguing. I got to look into this. Uh, so I found another podcast where he was clarifying that and he said, no, no, it's not 25 pounds. It's 50 pounds. <laughs> so, so this is blowing my mind. I have to, I have to figure out what's going on. So I started entering foods into, into my tracker and, you know, seeing how much this would give me. And 20 pounds was like 5,000 calories and 1400 grams of carbs and like a thousand grams of sugar. Like they just, I couldn't, there's no way I can even wrap my head around that. So I said, how can I do this, but like put it into a realistic perspective? So I, I just picked a, I thought for sure I was going to gain weight regardless. So I picked 2,100 calories, which is a 500, 600 calorie deficit for me. Uh, and I said, I'll do this. And I went through, so I'm, I'm big on, I don't like the idea of le- lectins at all. So I kind of built it around a low lectin diet and I just picked foods that work for me. So it's like, um, I wasn't doing beans the first week. I was doing just spirulina algae, uh, hemp hearts, and I don't like any processed stuff, so no protein powders, and then just fruit. And I was doing kale the first week because kale's high in protein. And uh, I did that for the first week, and I, I dropped weight. And I'm already at my rock bottom weight. Like I don't get lighter than than I was. I was at 205, and I walk around at 210, 215 most of the time. And I was already low from an experiment I did prior to that. And I just started dropping weight. And today, actually, this is day 
day nine, and I'm down six pounds from start, which was already low. So I haven't been this weight in two years, and that was after a five or six day fast. Wow. So, I mean, there's downsides to it. There's like, there's downsides, obviously. Let's talk about um, those downsides. What are, what are the downsides? I'm in the bathroom all day long. Uh, how many times? I mean, let's get, let's get detailed. <laughs> so three times around breakfast. So once right before breakfast, once right after breakfast within an hour, and then once more about an hour later, and then usually another three to four times throughout the day. And because we're all grownups and we can be, uh, we can be an adult, we can be adults about this. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the consistency of those <laughs> movements. I would love to tell you. Uh, it's actually, it's fine. There, I mean, the first few days it was weird because it was like food coming out. It was, I could see the food that I was eating coming out, but after nine days, it's pretty much, it looks normal, like nothing, nothing crazy, but it's, there's a lot of it. That's all. So what's the goal? I mean, what's, what's the, you know, besides just curiosity, like, where do you want to take this? I wanted to see if I would gain weight, first of all, because my last thing that I did was eating 5,000 calories for 21 days on a ketogenic diet to see if I would gain weight, which I did not. I gained nothing. Uh, that was the second time I've done it. And so I wanted to see what would happen if I ate half of that or less than half of that of all fruit. And, and I thought for sure just the sugar was going to make me gain weight. I thought I was positive. So the fact that I didn't blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. So I started just digging into what was going on. And and I kind of think that I get a better picture from this, which is great because that's the idea behind experimentation. Is I really think like a lot of the things the vegans will say is the fat you eat is the fat you wear. And I kind of think that's true, but only in context. Like you can't do high carb, high fat, because you're going to gain, you're going to spike your insulin constantly and you're going to store that fat. But if you're eating super low fat, there's nothing to store. You're going to be using, you're going to be using that fat as fast as you store it. And especially for a keto person that's burning fat like crazy anyway, you're just going to use up that little bit of fat that you're eating. And the, they're kind of polar opposites, low carb and low and, uh, and low fat. But they both kind of work the same way. In a high-fat scenario, you build up ketones. In a high-carb uh, scenario, you build up blood sugar. So my blood sugar is chronically high. It's, it's been up ever since I started this. But then on the other spectrum, when I do high-fat, my ketones are always high. Just which one is better in the long run? I think I know the answer to that. But you know that they're kind of the same, just op- opposite spectrums. They both work. You can do them both. Just what is your long-term goal and which one's healthier long-term. I think I got off track from side, from the, from the negative. That's no, this, this perfect. Every, every bit of, every bit of these details is, is, is fascinating. How do you feel? Um, I don't feel anywhere near as good as I do when I, when I have my ketones high and I, I always have high ketones. I sit at between, you know, two and a half to six and a half ketones daily that's where i sit and i feel like my brain's on fire 24 7 i'm just always firing but uh this way i'm 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 still okay like i'm not stupid or anything like my brain still works but it's just i don't have that sharpness and that clarity or the alertness and if i don't eat every three hours i'm sleeping your your energy levels plummet oh yeah like i can tell when when my blood sugar drops and i'm just ready to doze off huh 
So that I hate. And the gym workouts are way different. Uh, so I CrossFit every day. And so I have a really good baseline on what my performance should be like. And I can, I noticed a huge difference. The explosiveness is not much better. It's a little bit better maybe, but not anything that I would even care about. But my endurance is just terrible. Like by the end of the workout, I'm done. I'm completely done. But on keto, I can just keep going and going and going and there's no end. Yeah. And that's because you're burning off that glucose, using that glucose. And then when you, when you're out, you're out. Right. right. So, and then I do, I do eventually like, I usually I'll go for a run, especially in the summertime after my workout and I can feel the fat starting to burn at that point. So it gets a little bit better. Uh, sorry, just let me close my Facebook here. It's dinging on me. Ding. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, that's, yeah, that's my ADHD cat catching me. I can't, uh, I can't have anything in the background going Join the club. Join the club. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because I because I do want to talk about I do want to I'm fascinated by one's ability to grow a Facebook group and to cultivate a community around something as um, as individual as sort of dietary and and you know there's so many different approaches to to diet and there's there's movements and there's people that that get on the the paleo bandwagon or the primal bandwagon or whatever. Um, and you know, because I'm I'm hoping that that your that your the members of your group are gonna are gonna you know hear this and be inspired and 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 really dig deep into who it is you are and how it is that you approach your diet and your life. Like, what was the motivator and your background in starting a uh, 125 person Facebook group? How does that work? Uh, well, I never had the intention to do it, really. Uh, I was just on Facebook groups like everybody else initially, and I would tell my story, and people would just start asking me, you know, how'd you do this? How'd you do this? And, you know, can you help me? What can you do for me? Can you show me how to do it? And that led me to actually, uh, I was on a big, huge Facebook group, and then I kind of asked them, you know, because they had coaches, so can I be a coach for you? And by that time, I'd already actually gone and taken a couple of nutrition certifications just for my own knowledge, essentially. And I, I worked with them for a couple months and just, you know, people's philosophies sometimes don't mix. Uh, I'll do one thing that they don't like and they do things that I don't like. And there's just, especially with, they had a big group of coaches. And so some personalities just don't mesh. So uh, they decided that I wasn't really suiting their philosophy, so they wanted to part ways with me. So I just decided I'd go on my own and create my own group. Um, but I had such a following in that group that so many people followed me. And within you know the first six months my group was open, I had 100,000 people in it. And it's, it's only been 10 months now that it's been open. It's at 125, so it slowed down. But it was growing at 1,000 a day for the longest time. Just it, people were pumping in and pumping in like crazy. I started off with, you know, September 2nd I started. And, you know, by the end of the month I had almost 30,000 people. And that's from you just telling your story and educating people, right? I mean it's it comes from yeah. your own personal uh, life path. Yeah, well, people heard my story and they liked it, and then they tell other people, and, and it just snowballed like crazy. Is that a is that like a part time job, uh, being admin and moder moderating a group like that? It's almost a full time job. I must be. I, yeah, I have fifteen people that help me. I have fifteen moderators that they're just you know they were members of my group. Some of them were my previous clients. Some of them are still my clients, 
and they just they're passionate about it so they want to help and I, you know i've kind of given them my philosophy and i've given them i've given them a guideline to follow and answers to questions and then they're kind of just my eyes and ears when i can't be there but i i make an effort to be in the group you know at least 5 or 6 hours a day just answering questions and that's a full-time job yeah <laughs> for sure for <laughs> yeah. sure and and when it when it comes so let's talk a little bit about like what differentiates your approach to keto because common sense keto it's it rings true like what what is it that you think is different it's a lot of it's 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 a little different approach what makes common sense keto different than anything else um i get a lot of people saying that my approach isn't actually common sense but the way (laughs) i the way i see it i look at all these different strategies and all these different studies and i just I seem to have a way to pick through them and find what is common sense about it and apply them together. And like, cause some, every, every study has things that are right and things that are wrong. You just got to parse them apart and find out what is and what isn't. And then I apply them in what I think is a common sense way. But my biggest thing is just, we know that it doesn't work to starve yourself. We know this, it's well established. People lose, yeah, they lose lots of weight. Sure they do. But how many of them keep it off? None of them do. It, that's why Weight Watchers has a 2% success rate. Is and that what it is? Yeah, it's less than 2%. My, my mother's been a member of Weight Watchers for 50 years. Like, she, and she still doesn't have her weight under control. Huh. Like it, that's the way it works. You just lose it, you screw your metabolism, and then you just say, you know, screw this and stop eating that way and gain it all back. So it's, you don't have to starve yourself to lose weight. You just have to eat the right foods. That's all it's about. Eat the right things at the right times and the rest will take care of itself. Is it going to be the fastest way to lose weight? No. But does it have to be the fastest? Is that necessary? I don't think it is. I think you're better off to be healthy, to have your hormones in order. You know, the amount of people, the amount of women, especially in my group that have thyroid issues is unbelievable. And every single one of them has been dieting their whole life. They've lost 100 pounds, gained 100 pounds, lost 50, gained 60. It's, and that's what causes it. It's just they're constantly starving themselves and just ruining their bodies. So I don't think any of that is necessary. And I wish I could get to these people earlier in their life and let them know that before they do all this stuff. Because once you're there, man, it's hard to get back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so what, what are some of the things I know it's different for everybody, you know, um, how do people, you know, that may be new to your group or new to keto or new to common sense keto, um, what can they do to sort of figure out what their baseline is and then not starve themselves and eat the right things at the right time? It's, it's obviously variable, variable from person to person, but what, what are some sort of, uh, common truths? Well, I, I set things pretty strict. I mean, I'm not one of those groups that I just say, you know, do your thing and, you know, feel your own body out and do what you do. I kind of lay down some pretty strict rules. Like I'm not a, I'm not a meal skipper. I'm not a faster. I've experimented with fasting for an entire year. And I even try it on all my clients to see if it will work for them. Cause some people have limited success with it, then it's worth a shot. But so I'm three meals a day guy, you know, um, I'm big into circadian rhythms and uh, I've been reading a lot about, you know, how, if you eat breakfast, it's easier to control your body weight. It regulates your insulin sensitivity. So I think breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I stress that. So 
my number one thing for people is eat three meals, don't snack. Uh, obviously, get rid of the easy stuff first, but um, I got pretty clear guidelines in the group on you know how many calories they're supposed to eat. Cause I don't want them to eat too little. That's the problem. I'd rather them eat too much than too little. You know, here's the foods that I approve of. Uh, you know, I, I encourage everyone to eat whatever they want, but if you know, I I give them guidelines. If they want to follow what I tell them, fantastic. I'm not going to chew you out for not doing it if that's what you want to do. But you know, I I set the guidelines pretty clear. So I give them I give them formulas on how to figure out all that stuff so we've got a pretty clear guide in place that helps them and then the admins do it non-stop so somebody will come on i'm this weight on this height I, I work out this many times a day what should i do and the admins are there and they just crank it out quick and they here's your calories here's your fat macro here's your this do that out and you know people some people have success with it right away and some people don't everybody's different in that aspect and we try to work with that but that's pretty much the starting point Fascinating. So it's, I mean, it's, it's not only is it a group to share and get support and learn, but also there's, there's coaching happening like in real time all the time, all the time, 24 seven. Yeah. Like we do as much as we can to help people in the basic ways. Like when I do coaching one-on-one, I get way more in depth with people, but I can't do that obviously at 225,000 people. So I give them basics, the basic guidelines and some general stuff that will work for most people. And then if they really want to dive deep into things like I do in experimenting, then I offer that as a service. Yeah. Do you, have you ever experimented with uh, exogenous ketones, esters and salts? I've tried them myself. Um, Now I'm not an athlete by any way, shape or form. And so I didn't, and I'm hardcore keto, like I'm always in ketosis. So I have to stop you. You are an athlete. If you do CrossFit every damn day, Jack, you're an athlete. Quit, quit, <laughs> own it, dude, own yeah. it. Amateur athlete. Okay. Yeah. So, but I don't do any, like, I can see how it could work for somebody who's a professional athlete and they want to do some glucose and they want to do all that mixing and stuff. But for me, it didn't work. It was probably the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I had the worst workouts. I felt the worst and it was just too much. I already had high ketones. So what do I need more ketones for? Right, right. I think the average person, they just don't need it. An athlete, I could see the benefit from uh, somebody who has epilepsy and needs constant stable levels and they're having trouble with their diet, they could probably benefit from it. But I think the average person is just not needed. Like I can, I've never had a client that I had trouble getting into ketosis or maintaining ketosis with. Um, and as long as they keep their electrolytes up and they're, you know, they're not starving themselves, they seem to do fine. I don't, I don't really see the need of it too much. Yeah. It's interesting because I think about I think about what my experience has been, and I've been I've been doing probably eighty twenty keto for probably five years. Wow. Um, pretty diligent about it. I I do intermittent fast. I don't eat until like it's two thirty uh, Pacific Standard Time, and I haven't had anything but two cups of coffee, one with butter, one without. And, and for me, it for me for me it works. Um, now that said, I'll eat when we're done and then I will be a slug for, uh, kind of the rest of the day. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, like I'll eat, I'll I'll break my fast. I'll have, uh, I'll have a can of smoked oysters and some kimchi and some macadamia nuts. And, and if I'm still hungry, I might do like a kale shake or something like that. Um, as I, as I get to, to, toward dinner. 
Um, but I, I, I find it interesting. And, and one thing that I found, you know, cause I'm thinking about breakfast and the comment about like not skipping breakfast, you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, the slow carb, the sort of Tim Ferriss slow carb, you know, have, what is it? 30 grams, 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. I'm not familiar with Tim Ferriss. Yeah. So I've maybe one podcast of his, but he's not somebody I've been into very much. So I don't really know much about his program. Yeah. So on the four hour body, it's, it's 30 grams of, of protein, um, within, within 30 minutes of waking up to like stimulate your metabolism, um, to stave off sort of hunger pangs and stuff. And that's sounds, sounds similar to kind of what you're doing. But, I, the, but then of course I look at the pictures on your blog and you've got a plate full of, of, uh, cantaloupe and, and <laughs> avocados and some sauce yeah. over there. Like obviously you're experimenting, but it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fascinating to me. Like what, what, how long is this experiment going to go for you? Uh, it's going to be 15 days just out of necessity. I was only going to do seven, but it just got so intriguing after day seven that I just wanted to see how much further I could push it. And then I decided I want to go for blood tests after. So I can only get in for the blood test on Tuesday. So I'm going to continue through Monday, which would make it 15 days. And I already predict what I'm going to see on the, on the tests. I can almost predict it like I'm a, a fortune teller. My LDL is going to cut in half. Uh, my fasting blood glucose is going to be 105, uh, and my triglycerides are going to be about 140, and I can almost see it like it's it's in a crystal ball. <laughs> That's funny. I guess when you when you're when I mean you've you've made a you've made your way in this life over the course of this this last time where you've really focused on diet and done the certifications and stuff like, I mean you're the guy you you really should be tinkering and testing and trying out to see what works for you uh it's uh, and to know that you kind of know what your body is going to yield as far as test results ahead of time is it just uh, is a testament to how closely you are tracking does it ever how in the last whatever 13 years that you've been doing keto um have you have you have you had moments where you're like you know what screw it. I'm going to eat 12 donuts because I want to. I'm just done. I'm sick of this. I'm just going to, you know, drink a two liter of Mountain Dew and 12 donuts. And, and I mean, have you ever gotten there? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. Who hasn't? I mean, I don't, it's, it's very rare, but I mean, there, there's times where I'm just like, you know, everybody else is eating junk. I'm just going to do it too. But I f immediately afterwards regret it. And I feel terrible not only mentally but physically and i just it's like it'll be another year till i do it type of thing you know but over the course of a year i forget that lesson and i have to learn it again right yeah yeah shocking the system a little bit yeah um do you believe in cheat days i do not believe in cheat days whatsoever especially there's so many people that have food addictions and they just they can't make it a cheat day right it's a it shouldn't even be a cheat day it should be a cheat meal if you are going to do it, but I can't do that. I don't, I can't have a cheat meal. It's going to be a cheat day and it'll be a cheat week. Yeah. Like it's, if I get like, I'll have a piece of pie and then I'll go looking for more pie. Yeah. That's, so I really don't believe in cheat days and for anybody, especially, I don't even need to lose weight, but people trying to lose weight, they can't do that. They just, they're going to spiral out of control and then it could be six months before they can get back in control again. And they've, they've regained everything they worked for. So, and I think people lose the desire to have cheat days once they've been keto for long enough. I think it kind of go, your taste buds change. 
you just don't have that desire. Totally true. I mean, yeah. I mean, once you, once you do, you know, you mentioned Mark Sisson, he does like the sort of sugar detox and, uh, the metabolism reset diet. It's like a 28 day thing, you know, you totally, you totally do. Like once you, once you break that sugar habit, you know, where you need, you need, you need glucose every three hours or in some cases every 15 minutes just to feel, you know, feel like you're awake. Um, uh, it's, it's totally true. And I you know, I, I've lost, I've lost a f- taste for sweet stuff too, over the last couple of years now, again, like I, it kind of brings it to another question. When is it the hardest to stay disciplined? Like, do you ever, do you ever go out to dinner? Uh, yeah, I do, but I still usually stick to keto when I go out to dinner, just, you know, I'll have steak and veggies or something. But, uh, the hardest times are around holidays, obviously. Like I've, two huge families uh, my wife's side is huge family and I have a huge family and they just, they're constantly shoving food in your face all the time. Like here, you know, and my family is horrible because they're, th- this is their idea of a salad. So they have this thing called uh, simple salad. It's essentially uh, pistachio jello pudding, uh, cream cheese, sugar, and something else. I, I think whipped cream. Like that's, that's salad to my family. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Like we, it's crazy. It's we've all, horrible. we've all eaten that. We've all eaten that at Thanksgiving. That's where, you know, that's where I, that's, that's what's, there's either. Oh, you, oh yeah. That? Yeah, totally. Oh my it's, God, I, I thought it was just my family. No, it's, it's either the, it's either the, uh, oh man, uh, it's either the orange jello with pretzel, crumbled up pretzels on the top or. Or it's this, or, or it's the spit, or it's the pistachio. It's 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 a dessert basically, and yeah, that and like that's green, green pistachio whipped cream, like just pudding. Oh but it's my so good. Gosh. Are you a black? Yeah. Are you the black sheep in the family? Uh, well, I mean, my my whole family tries to constantly stay in shape. Like I think they do it out of guilt by looking at me, but. Now they're definitely not the same as me. Like they're not really into it. My my mother really tries to like wants to be into it, and she's a very smart lady. Like uh, she was controlling my ADHD from the time I was five when I was diagnosed. She was doing it naturally with food, and she had there was no Google back then. This was twenty five years ago, thirty five years ago. So she was controlling me with food, like not allowing me sugar, artificial colors preservatives it was just like it was all natural foods like she didn't allow me anything because if i had the slightest bit of artificial color or flavor or sugar i was banging my head off the wall and climbing to the ceiling so and then when i did get out of control rather than put me on a drug she'd sit me down with a, a strong cup of black coffee and that was enough to calm me down isn't yeah yeah that's yeah that's the uh, the adverse effect of, of high dose caffeine for sure wow but like she had she had to read books to figure this out. She didn't have Google, but yeah. so that's that's. I think that's kind of where I get some of it from. Sure. She was intuitive enough, intuitive enough to do that when I was a kid, but she's always had her whole life. My whole family has had weight problems their whole life, so she's just been like I said, forty years, fifty years. She's been a member of Weight Watchers. <laughs> yeah. For my, uh, do they have Prism where you're at in in Canada, Northeast no, Canada? I don't. Oh. prism is it's it's a similar it's it's targeted at women it's uh yeah it's 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 counting calories and um stuff like that yeah it, it's funny because there's 
and I think that this probably gets to the gets to one of the you know sort of the themes here for this conversation is you know we need we need human support even if you know if it's on Facebook it's uh, that, that use it but we need people in our lives that are doing something that works that that are willing to share and the habits that we generate around food around activity like those those habits that we develop in our life and when we get into adulthood those are hard to break and if you grew up having a bowl of ice cream after dinner every single night like like I did that's that's hard to unlearn there's there's like almost like a there's almost like this epigenetic effect of of like poor poor dietary choices that it's that it's tough to undo from from where you're at you know moderating and and adminning and creating um, networks for people to to help grow in their lives like how much how much like you know encouragement and positive affirmation goes along with with running a Facebook group like you do you mean affirmation for myself no that you're giving to others like how much how much is support uh, it, oh it's constant like like I said it's five six hours a day on Facebook just you know helping people we there's always issues, you know, I'm doing this, I'm not losing, why? And, you know, we take the time to try to troubleshoot it as much as we can. And, you know, it's, I think that's part of the reason it grew so fast is because we're very supportive like that. And we, we really give a little bit extra. It's not just, we're not just plugging things to try to make a buck. Like I obviously make some money off personal coaching, but I don't advertise it on the, on the site very much. People just filter into me. And it's, it's enough to get me by and enough to keep me available so I can be on the Facebook page. But I don't do any product placement. There's no nothing I sell. And I give away so much free advice on the page itself, sort of the admins and the moderators. Uh, it's just important. At, at least it can get people through the door. And if they can't push themselves that little bit further, then you know there is always further support for that. But it's important to at least get them in the door and show them there is a way. What's the what's the most common what's the most common why do you know the answer? It's willpower. <laughs> like what's the hardest part? It's uh no, I think I don't think willpower is the issue. I mean somewhat it is somewhat in the beginning, but after you get into it, the willpower thing kind of goes out the door. And with my method, I don't make you have to struggle and starve. Like I let you eat. You can eat as probably more than you want to eat. Most people that come to me are eating 1,200 calories a day, and that's not sustainable. It's not doable. It's not healthy, and that's why people are so sick now. I want, I want women to eat a minimum of 1,800 calories. I want men to eat a minimum of 2,200 calories. Like it's, it's not normal to eat less than that. 50 years ago, men were eating an average of 3,000 calories a day, and they were skinny. So yeah. it's not it's not necessary to starve yourself like that. So when people come in, that's the actual hardest thing is to get them to actually eat more food. Yeah. They're so scared. They're just terrified to eat more food. And that's the most common thing I hear is I'm, I'm scared to death to eat this way. It's so much food, but, and I honestly, that's why I did my couple of 5,000 calorie challenges to show people you don't have to be scared to eat this much food. I'm not going to lose weight on 5,000 calories, but I'm also not gaining weight. Tell us about those experiments. Lay, lay that out for us. Um, so the 
I've done, they're both about the same. I just, you know, I pack 5,000 calories into me every day for 21 days. And then I weigh myself daily. I check my body fat daily. I keep monitoring my ketones and my blood glucose just to see what's going on. And, uh, you know, the weight goes up and down. It doesn't stay flat the whole time through. Nobody ever does. I, I, right now I go up and down every, every once in a while, but at the end of the whole thing, I was up 0.8 of a pound after 21 days wow. of eating 5,000 calories. And my macros were at least 80% fat, if not higher, 85 probably. So what, what, what we, I'm curious about your sort of dietary choices when you're not, when you're not experimenting with seven cantaloupes for breakfast, but, uh, <laughs> which is rare, right? Right. But what, like, what's your, like, where did you get all those calories? Are you doing like a dozen avocados and two big no. ribeyes or, uh, no, I don't eat. So I, I don't do a lot of protein. My typical protein intake, like on a regular day, when I do like 2,500 cows, which is about my normal, my protein's like eight grams. Uh, my wow. carbs are 10 grams maybe. So when I was doing the, uh, the challenge, I was probably in the range of 450 grams of fat. Uh, I think around 125 to 150 grams of protein and maybe 40, 50 grams of carbs but it was mostly fiber carbs. But um, I also count fiber as part of my carbs. I don't do the net carb thing. It's, it's total for me or nothing. So most, I mean, I had to change it up a lot throughout the whole thing because you get really tired of certain foods. Like I started, I started off with like doing butter and hamburger and, you know, just every kind of fatty thing I could think of. I was drinking olive oil for a little bit and I oh. just couldn't do, yeah, I couldn't do that. Oh. So, so I switched it up to making like fat shakes with um, heavy whipping cream and cream cheese. You know, it, it, I don't think it was healthy for me in any way, shape or form. And I would never do that kind of stuff in real life. But it was just a, an experiment of getting the, the fat in and the calories in. And um, I actually, the first time I did it, I tested my, I uh, did a, a bunch of blood tests afterwards. And they were seriously crazy. Like my... Um, my LDL was like four times a normal person's LDL. Oh my gosh. Uh, my, but my triglycerides were okay and my HDL was good, but uh, I still, I'm not a believer that LDL is ver really a marker for anything. I think yeah. it's a, I think it's an energy transport system. I don't believe any of that stuff, but still to have it four times as high as a normal person, probably there may be something wrong with that. That's a bit unusual. Yeah. So, so what were you eating? Um, I mean, uh, just like heavy whipping cream and nuts and nuts, you know, some some fatty meats. Uh, I would do maybe an avocado or two a day, but I try, was trying to keep the carbs a little bit lower, so I stayed away from from that because I mean it's mostly fiber. But again, I do the total carbs, not the 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 fiber net thing. Yeah. Um, I honestly I have it all in my in my diary on my fitness pal what I ate, but honestly I think I'm blocking it out a little bit. It wasn't a fun experience doing 5,000 calories a day. It was awful. It was torture. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But it's just again, I did it to show people like you don't have to be scared to eat a normal day's worth of food. Like to ask a, a 250 pound man to eat 2,500, 2,600 calories. That's not abnormal. You should be able to eat that even on a standard diet. You should be a man that big should be able to eat 2,500 calories and, and not gain weight. But, and the women, the women are really the hard, men do it. Men are really okay with it. It's the women that have a really hard time with it. They're just, they've been bashed in the head so long with, you got to starve yourself. You got to eat 1200 calories. Uh, 
that uh, it's just you tell them they got to eat 2,000 calories and they almost lose their mind. Yeah. So it's, it was for them, you know. I can eat 5,000. I even had two women do it. Two, I had two women eat 5,000 calories within the group for 21 days, and one of them lost 15 pounds huh. eating 5,000 calories for 21 days. Does that <sighs> blow your mind or what? Because it blew my mind. I didn't expect it, but it I, happened. Yeah, that, that does blow my mind. I mean, I uh, – wow. I don't even – I don't even think I can explain why it happened. 15 pounds in 28 days on 5,000 calories a day. 21 days. 21 days. Yeah. She, uh, she, now, a little backstory. She, uh, she did it with me twice, actually, this one. The first time she did it, she was 139 pounds. Uh, she had no weight to lose. She had been stalled at 139 pounds for nine months. And over the 21 days, she broke her stall and lost two pounds. And the sec- second time she did it, she had quit smoking, went off keto, gained uh, 40 pounds, and lost 15 pounds in the 21 days doing 5,000 calories of keto. And she chronicled it all as well. She has pictures. She, has, she was posting on the group every day, her weight. It was, it was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I'm scrolling down to the uh, April 10th entry in the Common Sense Ketogenics.com uh, on your on your blog, Coach Jack's 5,000 5, calorie challenge. You don't have to eat less; you just have to eat right. That's right. What What are some other sort of um, because our listeners are going to be lockstep with all of this? Like, they're they're you're, nobody's no nobody's nobody's listening is like. I've never heard about this. This is crazy. I don't believe it. Like they're, they're with it. Like they're tracking really closely. They um, know. Yeah. So what, what are some other sort of maybe un, uncommon or, or rarely talked about other sort of secondary and tertiary effects of eating keto um, that are beneficial for people in your experience? Jeez, uh, I don't even know if it's, it's not even really, I mean, weight loss is a secondary effect as far as I'm concerned. The, the primary thing is one is brain function. You know, uh, my grandfather and my uncle, my uncle just passed a year ago from Alzheimer's uh, or dementia severe. And you know, it's, so my grandfather is the most interesting. He spent his entire life eating. He was the guy that would eat the fat off everybody's steak. So he was always eating high fat his whole life. He was always real thin, always healthy. He lived in his own home till he was 96. Uh, his wife passed at 96, and he went to live in a in a seniors facility. And within two years, he was demented and dead. Oh my goodness! And the food that he would be eating every time we went there was just garbage. It was constant sugar, constant nonstop, just no good. And I'm totally convinced that he was he had this probably some signs of it before he went in the home a little bit. But it just pushed him over the edge. Wow! Yeah, I mean, two years gone. Oh my goodness! I mean, yeah, there could be an environmental fact. You know, if, if there were some signs, some forgetfulness, or whatever, I mean, ninety-six. If there's forgetfulness, or if there's, you know, loss, lossing, you know, losing track of what you're talking about, or or, or whatever, like that can be hormonal, it can be environmental, you know, it can be a lot of different things. But if your diet is dialed and you're high fat and you're lean and, uh. If you go from that to, you know, cereal for breakfast and uh, fettuccine Alfredo. Cereal, porridge, toast, like the breakfast was just muffin, like no, no content to it. Just 
not even low fat. It was high fat, high carb all the time, nonstop. So just the worst, worst of the worst. And it's not even like he went from zero to, to dead in two years. It was a progression. It was clear. Like within three months of him being there, he was completely, he was really, he was a different person. And in six months, he was even worse. And the entire last year of his life, he was totally incoherent. It's not even, so it wasn't like he was day one, he was fine. And then he dropped dead on, you know, two years later, it was a clear progression. And my uncle was only, he was 70, he passed when he was 75 of the same thing. But that's a that's kind of like a generational thing, you know. That my grandfather had less exposure to it, to all of the bad food, than my uncle did. So he had more exposure, so he went sooner. But he was also not that guy that would eat the the fat off people's steak. He was the guy that was eating pie all the time, and you know. So his his wife was a fantastic cook, and she was just cooking sugar for him nonstop. So you know, and that's the difference was twenty three years of lifespan. Yeah. Between, but they both went the same way, like identical. Wow. wow. So that's the number one thing for me besides weight loss. Weight loss is fantastic. That's great. And being able to maintain your physique and all this stuff, that's fine. But the mental, cognitive, and the, the long-term lifespan and having your, your brain be able to function properly when you're in your 90s, that's, that's really, for me, the number one benefit. Yeah. And besides hormone regulation like let's stop all these people you know being hypothyroid and you know having their hair all fall out so that that's a big thing that i see on on the site too people are they come to me and they're they're losing their hair in fistfuls and it's just it's malnutrition and you can't be you can't get all your nutrition in 1200 calories a day you just can't do it no matter what you do no matter what you're eating for 1200 calories yeah and i think keto is even worse because if you're eating 1,200 calories and you're maybe eating a whole lot of plant matter, you might be getting a little bit more nutrition. And if you're eating keto with little plant matter, and well, you can't even get protein in 1,200 calories a day. Like you're getting almost nothing. So, but the women that their hair, their hair is just coming out in their hands in clumps. That's that's a big thing. And usually within you know six to eight weeks of eating adequately, their hair's grown back. Those things are great besides weight loss weight loss is great but those those things are the real powerful things well said well said absolutely yeah we all we all want to we all want to be as sharp as we can for as long as we can you know we want to we want to stay active man that is you know it, it really brings into focus the the work that you do you know the five or six hours on facebook helping people you know when somebody comes to you and they're they're their hair is falling out like that's 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 a hard that's a hard thing to deal with and to to you know to land on your facebook group and engage with your people and and engage with you and and get some guidance and um that to be able to change someone's life like that just by telling your story and learning and and educating at the same time like that's that must feel really good jack that's that's a big deal man I can't even tell you the amount of like every day I'll get a message, a private message from someone just, you know, saying thank you for, you know, my hair is falling out. Now it's growing back. You know, thank you so much. My mental fortitude is back to where it used to be, you know, whatever it might be for that day. It makes you feel so good and it makes everything worthwhile. It makes you want to stay on Facebook for, you know, five, five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Just 
because it's gratifying. It's deeply gratifying just to know that you've helped someone. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give to someone who's interested in starting a Facebook group? Uh, use the name keto. <laughs> Put keto in it. It seems to be really hot right now. Uh, it seems to grow pretty quickly. But besides, uh, realistically, I mean, uh, that'll only get you so far. But you got to have a message. Um, have a plan in place, you know, something that makes you stand out from everybody else and some reason for you to be there and just be as supportive and as present as you can and just support the people that join the group. That's, you know, if, if you have something that draws people in, like the diet thing is so visceral for people all the time, like, and all the women, especially that they are having problems with their hair falling out. That is huge for women that's i mean i couldn't imagine being not that i have the best hair in the world but i'm a man it's okay for me i couldn't imagine being a poor a poor woman and just having your hair falling out in clumps and for women to come to a page and have other women there that are experiencing the same thing and just be able to communicate with them and see that some people are able to reverse it is you know it's going to draw people in and they're going to tell people and they're going to tell people it's just going to snowball but it's the message is important besides having the name keto. You gotta, you gotta have something, something that'll, you know, resonate with people. And I guess I found whatever that is, which is yay for me. Yeah, you sure did, man. You sure did. I mean, it's, that's, uh, that, that sort of, that sort of growth for any sort of group is just monumental. Um, who do you look up to? Uh, well, I discussed it earlier. I, I think probably my number one hero is, is my mom. Like she, in the day and age when people, in, information was impossible to find. And we, we didn't live in the big city. We lived in a small town. I'm, I'm from a town of like 600 people. And uh, she was able to find a way to treat something wrong with her child uh, without the internet. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know how to do anything without the internet. But she, she was able to figure out how to, to keep me in check and not have me climb in the walls, this little five-year-old ADHD hyperactive kid. And, uh, and she kept me thin all, all the years that I lived with her. Like I was fit, I was active, I was a normal kid up until the time when I started eating terrible food. And she was able to do that on her own without, you know, without outside guidance and without the easy life that we have today. Uh, so she's like, that blows my mind every time I think about it. I can't believe she was able to do that in that, in that time. And besides that, my biggest people I look up to are people like, I don't know if you've heard of Dave Feldman. You must've heard of Dave Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. Like him and I have been on the phone several times, just talking through scenarios and things like he's just a right. He's not, he's like me. He wasn't a diet guy. He's just, he's an engineer and he just was able to see something outside of the box. And he, he's not afraid to test and experiment on himself. And then he shares it so freely with everybody. Uh, like I didn't know him from a hole in the ground, but I just messaged him one day and he's like, yeah, let's get on a call. And you know, that's amazing. Like for somebody to take their time out of their day and he's a busy guy, but he'll do it at the drop of a hat. Like he's, it's great. And, um, people like Gary Taubes and Nina Teichholz, like they're just, they're the people that are going to put this nutrition thing into the next stratosphere. They're, they're amazing people. And they just, they put everything into it that they possibly can. Like Nina with her her uh, nutrition coalition thing, like 
that's amazing. That's awesome. So I, I love those people. They're, they're my favorite people in the world. Yeah. She's, we, she, we had her on the podcast, uh, a couple of episodes ago and she's super down to earth too. You know, she's, she's, she, she's just calling BS. She's calling BS on it. And, and she sort of found her way into this world um, you know, tearing down the, the food pyramid, uh, explaining why it's like the way it is. And well, what do you know? Follow the money. What do you know? Like, yeah. there's a reason why you're being told to eat corn and grain. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think, I think that, you know, cause in, 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 in my world, I, I tend to, um, my, my area of focus is less about tracking and, and data points and analytics. Like, uh, uh, that's not my strong suit. And so what I, uh, what I try to grab, what I gravitate more to, towards is how do I feel? How's my performance? Um, how do I, uh, how am I sleeping? Am I, do I feel recovered? Do I feel present? Can I, can I exercise? Can I meditate? Um, but for the folks that, um, that can dig down and, and understand things from a, from a really detailed point of view, like you do so, so well, like you're so, you're so detail oriented, um, to make, I think we're going to look back in, in 10 or 15 years, hopefully sooner than that. Hopefully it's more like five, but we're going to look back. Yeah. Right. We're, we're going to look back and say, you know, what were we doing? We were just poisoning ourselves. We were advocating this, 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 uh, this, the consumption of nutrient depleted, fake plastic, gross food that, that made us sick and cost, uh, cost taxpayers massive amounts of money. Like the diabetes epidemic, you know, they're saying that it's going to, it's going to, re- I don't know the percentage cause I'm going to get, I'm going to get in trouble for saying it, but something, some massive percentage of it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a lot yeah. Uh, of our healthcare dollars are going to go to treating diabetics. And, you know, I've got, you know, my, my, both of my parents are pre-diabetic. They struggle with their weight and, and only as much as I can, I try to, I try to share and I try to, but I try to share what I know about nutrition and I, and, um, and supplementation because, um, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a giant advocate of, of getting the vitamins and minerals that we can't get from our food through supplementation, but they're just, they're indoctrinated by the old, you know, the sort of baby boomer generation of, well, you're supposed to eat cereal for breakfast and you're kind of, you should have, you should have grains just with, just about with every meal. It's just, uh, it's, it's a long road to hoe. Yeah, like my my, I'm glad you said about your parents being pre-diabetic. My, my father's been diabetic, insulin dependent for 25 years. Uh, my, my brother has been diabetic for 10 years. My grandmother had both her legs chopped off and died of diabetic complications, and when she was 80, so it, it's just prevalent. And the fact, and that was part of my motivation for doing what I did was I didn't want to be like in my dad's position, you know. And that's that's so many people today. There's, how many people do you know that have diabetes? You, you know at least ten, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, and everybody knows ten people that are diabetic or pre-diabetic. It's just insane. And it seems so simple. <laughs> it seems so simple to it, fix it. It does, right? It does. It does seem simple. And with access to to information that we have now, you know, uh, the opposite of what uh, what your mom did by giving you coffee at a young age to to have the adverse effect, like. Like I only know that because, 
you know, my, my father's a behaviorist and works with kids with ADHD and autism that, that uh, you know, high-dose caffeine helps. But your mom had to find that out. And now yeah. we have access to all these resources. And I think maybe that's part of it too, that we have access to so many resources and there's so many diet plans. There's, there's just a, almost like a deluge of information. It's like, what do I trust? What do right. I, wh- which one do I pick? I throw a dart, I throw a dart at a dartboard that has, you know, seven different dietary approaches and I pick one and I try it and I, and I yo-yo and then I'm tired and cranky at the end of it and just want to eat donuts. Yeah. So maybe we were just lucky, right? Maybe we threw the dart and hit the right one and everybody else just hasn't got there yet. Could be. Yeah, man. I mean, um, I've got two small, what's that? Said, thank God we hit the right one. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, does your shirt say some of my best friends are ketones? Yes. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I've been, I didn't want to ask because our listeners obviously can't see that, but uh, that's killer. Yeah. I, I've got, I've got two small kids at home and, and it's, it's tough. It's, you know, like we, they get cereal, they get cereal on Saturday mornings. That's when they get it. It's once a week and they wake up and they're stoked about it. They're, (laughs) They're excited. But then, you know, I feel guilty because I'm reinforcing this like food as celebration, you know, food is comfort, food is fun, you know, a, a colorful box with a tiger on it with it's full of sweet things that, you know, go with a big glass of milk. And then, uh, and then I watch them, I watch them bounce off the walls for two hours and then crash in the middle of the day, you know, now that I'm coming clean on how my father, fatherhood's going, shit, uh, <laughs> But you know that, that's normal, though. I mean, I had the same thing. I never had any kids of my own, but I, I uh, my wife had kids when I met her, and I, I raised them. And they, for the last thirteen years, they ate what I ate, but they still ate their own foods too. They still had, you know, I'd have a box of cereal in the house, and they would eat it sometimes. And but today, uh, they're actually uh, grown and they're on their own today, and they eat primarily mostly like keto, like it's. They don't have any problems. They don't want to eat junk food like they do on occasion, go out and eat junk, but they primarily eat well. They kind of eat what I ate. So it'll rub off on them in the long term. And when they get old enough to figure out that you showed them some good ways, hopefully they'll see that and they'll continue on what, on their own. So it'll rub off on them. It's, it's you know, you don't, we don't have to feel guilty about letting that. <laughs> thanks, man. I was, I thanks, man, for pulling me out of the pulling me out of that nosedive I was in. I was really feeling real sorry for myself for having, and it's even like the Trader Joe's like bougie uh, cereal. It's not like it's not it's not Post. It's not it's not you know it's not Frosted Flakes or Captain Crunch. You know it's. Is it better though? No, of course not. <laughs> No, of course not. No. And thank you for thank you for not letting me get away with that because there is no difference between Tony the Tiger and uh and uh Anthony the Tiger at uh, Trader yeah. Joe's. It's the same stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's all yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean and they're not I'm sure your kids aren't overweight either. They don't have to, you know, a box of cereal once a or not a box of cereal, but a bowl of cereal <laughs> once a week. See, that would be me. I'd have the box of cereal, but I mean, that's not going to kill them when they're, when they're young. And as long as the majority of the time they're doing it right, I mean, that's, it's not the end of the world. They're not broken like we are. They don't have to really work. <laughs> right. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's the most important lesson or one, one, one really important lesson that you've learned 
about diet, about people, about anything in the last 12 months? Who? Uh, well, I guess, well, no, I've learned a lot in the last 12 months. Uh, so I was work. I'd say 11, 11 months ago, I was working in a garage. Uh, not even my actual career path. I was, you know, it just happened to be that that's the job I had. I was running a garage. And uh, for so many years, I've been wishing to do something that mattered. And all I had to do was actually say, I'm going to do it. And I, I started doing this thing. And now today, um, you know, I'm living the dream. I, I work out of my house. I spend six hours a day on Facebook. Uh, I get to help people every day. It's so, I mean, the big lesson is just don't be so scared of failure that you don't try to do what you love. Uh, I think it's better to fail doing what you love than succeed just doing something to, to pass the time. So that's probably number one lesson. Uh, besides that, it's uh, don't always get stuck in your own perspective and try things from other people's point of view. Like uh, this vegan thing has completely blown my mind and I can now see things from two different complete opposite spectrums and they're both valuable. How do you rectify that though eventually, you know, like how, how is, <laughs> I've already rectified it. I mean, for me, it's again, like it's the long-term effects. Do I want to constantly glycate my cells 24 hours a day or do I want to be in a state of ketosis that's anti-inflammatory all day long? So it, for me, it was easy to rectify, but it is nice. I have a tool in my toolkit now that if I want to drop some, some weight, I know a way I can possibly do that. Would I do it long-term? Absolutely not. But I know I have it there as a, as a toolkit, and I understand something greater than I did before from before I started it. I never in my a million years would have ever thought I could eat uh, 500 grams of carbs in a day and, and lose weight. I'm shocked. So it was so, so very valuable. Uh, and it completely flew in the face of everything I believed. So, you know, for the, just the fact that I did this blew my mind in the beginning, but I've learned a valuable lesson from it and I can see somebody else's perspective and that is super valuable. Yeah, that is very valuable. It's nice to know. It's nice to surprise yourself and and uh, rattle the cage of your own sort of uh, preconceived notions for what your body can do or what other people's bodies can do. Yeah. Um, what's if 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 any of our listeners um, were interested in in joining the group or or engaging with you, um, is it is it as simple as just finding you on Facebook and and joining up? Yeah, you just uh, search for a group, search for Common Sense Keto. And you'll probably get two that pop up because somebody's kind of trying to infringe on me a little bit. And it's but theirs is called Common Sense Keto Group, and it's only got like 200 members. So just go for the one that has like the massive amount of members, and that that that'll be us. Yeah. And is there anything you know? Assuming that that your that your group is gonna is gonna hear this, is there? I mean, this is kind of a unique opportunity for you. Um, through spoken word to share information or to educate or anything. Is there anything that you'd like to say to to your group with this unique sort of podcast opportunity? So there's only my moderators knew that I was doing this whole vegan thing. So if anybody from the group is listening, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't do this unless you talk to me first because it could really backfire on you. So uh, if you want to try it, by any means, try it. But if something bad happens, don't blame it on me. I don't recommend doing it whatsoever. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't tell you all about it prior to coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll give, give him something to talk about. I like it. Yeah. Well, Jack, I really appreciate your time, man. Um, I we I, I liked I like digging deep and 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 seeing how people tick and and your story is fascinating and your ability to to rally people and to share and to grow and to inspire is is, is inspiring for me and someone who's um, who's trying to have as high performance every single day. Um, I've, I've learned a lot from you and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to continue reading the blog and I'm going to join the group because, because there's obviously a lot of great information there. So, um, thanks for joining us today, Jack. Really appreciate it. I thank you for having me on. Like I said, uh, when we were chatting earlier, I'm, I'm actually a very shy person. So this was out of my comfort zone again. So we're just pushing boundaries. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. As always, show notes, links to articles, explanations, and deep dives into the content based in this episode can be found at naturalstacks.com. The Optimal Performance Podcast is a Natural Stacks original. Our executive producers are myself, Sean McCormick, and Tyson Eldridge, and the OPP keeps rolling on.